ladies, gentlemen, please take your seats. The spotlight is about to begin. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to part two of our Delphi murder mystery. I'm Mystery Matt, and you're listening to the Mystery Matt Spotlight Podcast. This goofy grin is brought to you by Kelly's Smile. <laughs> so we are covering the second part of the Delphi murders that are currently ongoing since what year? The microphone is that black thing right there. 2017. Didn't we? Five years past five years and they still haven't caught whoever is involved possibly more people we've got suspects if you haven't heard the first one i would suggest listening to it uh but we because one comes before two thanks threw me right off too well it's gone so over to you sarah <laughs> over to you kelly <laughs> over to you lucy that's the cat if you haven't caught on yet. Anyway, sorry, Kelly. Thank turn. you. Thank you very much for that uh, wonderful introduction, ladies and gentlemen. All right, uh, let's get started with the evidence. Um, obviously, from what we've talked about so far, the police have been very tight-lipped about almost every detail about the case. Um, a few things that we know for sure that they have, um, video and audio. All the video and audio of the suspect has come from Liberty German's phone. We have the four words, as you guys heard in the last episode, guys down the hill. We have no idea if guys came before or after down the hill. We know there is more audio as the police have stated such. But they have not released such. No. Allegedly, in the video, Abby asks Libby if the creepy man is still following them, to which Libby replies with a simple, mm hmm. Allegedly. We have a still or screenshot of the man on the bridge taken from Libby's video. The police have only released three seconds of the video to the public. Um, DNA. So, yes, Sergeant Coleman would not confirm or deny that there's DNA evidence. However, you don't release a statement like that unless you actually have some kind of DNA evidence. Um, it was just like a statement released. I don't think it was a question posed to the police. Never came up in any of my research that it was a question posed to the police from media saying, hey, do you have DNA evidence? And he'd be like, I cannot confirm or deny. It just came up. He could not confirm or deny. So my guess is that they probably do have um, DNA evidence in some sort. I would hope so because I would hate for us to be in a time where, like, you do find the bodies of these victims and you're not able to get DNA in 2022. Uh, if you're not able to, it's probably down to shoddy work. I think uh, something else that's important to remember is all those men who were similar to the composite sketch who gave their DNA. Um, willingly, too. Yes, willingly. So that tells me that the police have something. Um, they do allegedly have fingerprints. However, they did not disclose where they found the fingerprints. They also have muddy footprints. Um, apparently there was muddy... Muddy? Muddy? I just turned this into a British thing. Um, apparently they have... 
found muddy footprints from the south side of the creek where Libby's shoes or shoe was found, leading to where the bodies were found. Uh, shoes and clothing. Uh, black Nike shoes were found, which Kelsey confirmed belonged to Libby. Police did not say if the clothing matched either Libby or Abby from that day. At the crime scene, the police kept all the searchers who found the girl's body at the scene and interviewed them all and got some statements while everything was still fresh in their minds, which is actually very imperative because if you take them out of that situation right away and give them time to think or process, they're not going to remember details as accurately. So it is imperative to interview them as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They also have Libby's cell phone, which is probably one of the most important pieces of evidence, aside from any <sighs> forensic evidence they may have. Oh, I absolutely agree. That girl is such a smart girl for taking that. You know, I don't I don't think I would have thought of that if I was in her situation. Well, kids nowadays are smart and they've grown up with these kind of technologies, so they're yeah. a little bit more streetwise and they have better tools. So Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. Um, so that we also have the time frame. We have the black and white photo of just the Monin High Bridge that was posted at approximately two oh five PM. And then two minutes later at two oh seven, Libby posted the picture of Abby crossing the bridge. At three fourteen, Libby's father Derek called his daughter's phone and received no answer, and the window of that attack would have taken about an hour or just a little bit more. Um when you look at the photo of Abby crossing the bridge, there's nothing behind her. There's no sign of him behind her at all. Um, and that's, as we've established, is 800 feet. So it's not like he could run up and catch her easily. The bridge, also, we've talked about the the, um, the condition of the bridge, and we'll get there again. To me, it sounds like she crossed over the first time and then was on her way back the second time and got scared, which held her up, which gave someone enough time to find them there and then maybe corner them or what that's, that's you, a right? valid theory you know like you know? if she's scared shitless on a bridge and a guy shows up with a knife she's extra vulnerable because she's worried about falling for one i seen the bridge the one and one sound was not that tall it probably wasn't even half that tall yeah. so like <laughs> one fall from there and they're looking for a body anyway you yeah. know what i mean so yeah. I, I can imagine some of the fear just in doing that. Right. So So we also don't yeah. know how much time passed between that video of that um picture of Libby at two oh seven and when the video of Bridge Guy was taken. Um so but we do know it was obviously taken after two oh seven PM. Um you gotta remember he forced them down the hill through rough terrain as there was no trails or paths on that end of the bridge. Then they had to cross over Deer Creek to the other side, which would have lined up where they would have started on the bridge to where all the trails would be. Um, but where they ended up, there was still no trails. That was obviously private property. It was very secluded. Granted, there was no leaves on the trees during this time, and it was in the middle of the day. If you had looked off, if somebody was on that bridge and looked down, they would have probably been seen. Um, so that was about a quarter of a mile from the end of the bridge. To, plus the actual murder of the two girls, that time window would be small. I mean, you you got to control two girls. you got to control the one girl while you're taking care of the other one. And I don't mean taking care of in a nice way. I mean in a really, really horrific way. So the actual murder itself couldn't have taken that long. And we have no idea if these girls had been sexually assaulted prior to the deaths. I'm going to say no. But the police also have not released a... a Any kind of detail for that. 
So, like, there's no, we don't know what they died of or anything else. See, like. We have no idea what kind of weapon he had. He had to have some kind of weapon to control both of them. Yeah. To get them down the hill and to the other side. So, if, I mean, the attack could have lasted an hour to an hour and a half, maybe, tops. But it's hard to say because you got to control one while you're taking time with the other. And. You don't know if one died quicker than the other one. Um, you, you, if you add in, if they were sexually assaulted, that's not going to be a quick task. So I I would assume, and I, I hope I hope to God they were not sexually assaulted. Um, that, that just makes everything way worse. It just makes everything way worse. Um, but yeah, you have, you have a very small time window here, in my opinion. Sounds like. Yeah. We also have the vehicle, which was parked in the abandoned CPS lot between 12 p.m. and 5 p.m. on Monday, on February 13, 2017. Clearly, there is an interest in this vehicle. Uh, The fact that no one has come forward saying it was theirs, but I was here or somewhere else, but not at the park, leads us to believe that it might belong to the unsub. Police have only released that they're looking for this vehicle parked there on that day. No other information was provided regarding if it was a car or a truck, SUV, wagon, or any kind of make or model, year, color, any kind of description, two or four door. Uh, Maybe releasing a generic description, like, for example, a blue four door sedan or two door black pickup, they could... uh, glean valuable information from interviewing persons of interest down the line. Yeah, I think you need some kind of extra um, description of the vehicle so that the public be like, wow, a car parked there. Wow. Yeah, yeah what kind of car? Like, yeah, like we're not asking for a plate or anything. How, how, how is a, a person supposed to come forward when there's no details about who it is? It's an abandoned lot, so I bet you a lot of cars probably will park there. And if it's, in, I believe it's in walking distance to the trail. Um, so anybody could have parked their car there that day and then walked to the trail. But I'm, I'm assuming that if you know there was a car parked there and you parked there that day and you weren't involved, you would come forward and say, hey, that was my car, but I was like, at the local drugstore around the corner, or I don't know the I don't know the town's geog like geography or anything, um, but you know what I mean. Like you think if you if it wasn't your car, you would come forward to to clear that piece of evidence away. We also have the two sketches. Um, the first one released is no longer the focus, but was actually the second sketch done. And two years after that sketch was released, the police released the original first sketch, which looked absolutely nothing like that first sketch that they released. Um, actually, I should show Matt the picture of that so he can see exactly how different it is. Um, uh, oh, okay. So the first sketch, as you see, Matt, he's wearing a hat and he's got the goatee and everything, and then the second sketch is completely opposite and less detailed, if you ask me. He's looking. So, so the first one, like that first one, like so. <laughs> so that one was that the first one released? Yeah, the one with the man wearing the hat with the goatee was the first one released, but it wasn't the first one that they took. But the 
that one is the first one they took, but not the first they released. Yeah, they released that the original first one in tw- two years later. Yeah, they're almost nothing alike. They're nothing alike, and I said we'll post those on uh, the mystery map. They will have been posted by the time this airs, because I'll post everything before this second one airs. So obviously, hmm. the sketches are a waste of time <laughs> because there's such a difference, and they waste unless there's two of them. And Unle- you're right, unless. Less what Diane Erskine says is true. And even with the um, Anthony Klein stuff that recently surfaced, and there's there was the two different writing patterns in the, the Anthony Schatz um, account, there could very well be two people involved. Right? Yeah. Um, so that that's not uh, off the table at all. But my other issue with the sketches, when you take eyewitness accounts of things, people often think they see something and then when they're recounting it they'll leave important details out not know not understanding that those details were important they might be thinking oh maybe that little scar on his cheek maybe he had like a mole or something or maybe, a tattoo or, or something. a tattoo a lot most people would probably include a tattoo especially if it's on the face it would be very noticeable well yeah um but they might leave those details out not thinking that a little freckle or a mole would make a difference but it will and it's it's um, common for people to give, um, like, like to do the have the sketch done up after a witness recollection. They'll find out that they don't look anything like. And I laugh when I watch crime documentaries. I don't know if Kelly has the same feeling, but um, the Night Stalker documentary they re- they showed a composite spe- uh, sketch of the the Night Stalker or who they thought was a Night Stalker. And then they compared it to the actual picture of Richard Ramirez, who was the Night Stalker when they caught him. And they're like, oh, see, we can see the similarities. I look at those sketches and I'm like, where the fuck are the similarities? Yeah. I've never seen a sketch and then the suspect, the person that they've apprehended and got a conviction out of looking similar to the sketch. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And um, all I can think about when I see police sketches, especially the first one um, that they generally do, and in this case, the first one, I just get that like in- Uncanny Valley vibe. It creeps me out so much. I don't know what it is about it. Yeah. But all of them, like any, every case. Yeah. It's, I think it's just like so flat, but like it has identifiable features. The one that's more elaborate there, the one on the right. Yeah. They paid more money for that guy to draw it out. Somebody that's employed by the police. I know, but they paid more money for that guy than uh-huh. they did for the one who you, did the A other lot one. of the times they look like this. Yeah. And it's, I get like such Uncanny Valley vibes. Yeah. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I agree. Most of the times they look like the, the original first sketch. They're not as detailed. I see the second sketch, and then I look at the, the picture of Bridge Guy that came from yes, Libby's I phone, agree. and I see that they've taken more detail from that. Maybe if you put the collar on this guy and the hat on the second, on the first sketch, the second one that was released, Maybe it might be a little accurate, a little more to the point, but because they left those out, like, what do he do? Ditch his hoodie and his fucking hat in the woods? They never, they, if they did, they never said they found those items, and if they did, well, they not, would be able to test for touch DNA. They're not giving enough information to be able to search for anybody in particular. No. You know what I mean? So, like, of course, no one's come forward because nobody knows who they're looking for. It's like, do you know a person that used to breathe oxygen in this part of the world at this part? Like, like it doesn't make any I'm sense. Not, I'm not at all diminishing what the police have done. 
they've done a great job and they're really taking this case seriously and their passion for it is undeniable. But we, we need a little bit more. We need a little bit more for the public to be able to help you. And that's my opinion. So we got one more piece of evidence. Yeah, uh, we have the signature. Um, former prosecutor who oversaw the case at the beginning, Robert Ives, said on the Down the Hill podcast uh, that the crime scene was very odd. As for M.O., nothing stood out, but there were three signatures that were very unique. He never did actually say what these unique signatures were, but if he kills again, these will be used and they will stand out. So it's interesting. I, I don't ever have recall any um, police ever releasing such details about signatures because signatures are, are very um, personal to the unsubs. And so they don't release that because that might be the one detail that that person they interview could slip up on and say, oh, you know, whatever, right? But even a signature, like, who's going to be like, oh, I know a guy who writes like that? Like, It's, it was, got, <laughs> it's like, got nothing to do with writing. It's a unique, oh my god! It's a unique part aspect of a crime that is. Oh, is you a, mean that kind of signature? A, yeah, oh, is a oh, detail oh, oh, oh. to that person like that they oh. have to do. So, if, what signature did this guy have again? We, we don't know. Oh, they're, they're, they never yeah. said because so they won't tell us anything about. They the won't body tell us anything how they were killed. But even or else. but in their defense, them telling the public what this signature is is not going to progress the case because only. It's only going to be done during crimes. It's not going to be done in everyday life. Well, it also encourages, like, copycat killers, as we've seen in the past, too. Like, people who become interested in a specific murderer or serial killer, and then they go and try and copy exactly what they did. And that's because they know what the signatures are, or... Well, it was so popular, signatures and stuff like that, that they actually made a movie called Copycat. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a good movie. I don't. It was a good movie, wasn't that with Sigourney Weaver? Uh yep. Everybody yeah, and Harry Connick Jr. And who? Harry Connick Jr. Sure. Yeah, I like Harry Connick. He's got a good voice. I didn't care anything past Sigourney, so. Yeah, you you look like you're three sheets to the wind by now. So. Oh no, just comfy. Just tired. You're petting your cat. Anyways, yeah. so now that that's pretty much all we have for evidence, um, so we'll go into theories. My theory is a little longer. Kelly's gonna polish this off with her theory and then i'll go into an ending do i get a theory you can have a theory yeah do you uh, want to go before me no no i'll listen to the the jury's plead before i make my judgment <laughs> all right so many theories have been floated around about what happened to abby and libby especially on reddit and i stay away from reddit because one information isn't always verified to be true and two because i actually can't figure out how to use it um so my theory is this. Bridge guy knew that area. He had to have been local or was at one time. Cle- clearly, he was familiar with the trails and comfortable on that bridge. Because I wouldn't have been. Um, and he knew how to get out of that area without bringing attention to himself. And without going back over the Monin High Bridge to get out. Bridge guy came there that day with the intention to kill somebody. Likely anybody he came across that looked something like looked like he could overpower um, he wore bulkier clothing to conceal his weapon or weapons in his kill kit. It would also conceal your uh, body size and frame build. Exactly. So you would go with bulkier clothes. 
Um, because there's nowhere to actually hide on that bridge. He was either hiding off to the side in the bushes at the far end. Because it looked when you look at the picture of the bridge, it looks like there's the wooded area and then the train tracks continue through that. Um, so he would probably have been just maybe off to the side right before the the hell would go down to the Deer Creek. He could have even just watched them head off towards the bridge and know there was only that one way to go. Possibly. Pull his car over. Give him a couple minutes head start and then corner them. Possibly. So <clears throat> he was either hiding off to the side of the bushes at the north end or he was confident enough to walk the bridge fast enough. But I don't think that's the case because if you look at the picture of Abby on the bridge who had absolutely and there was absolutely no one behind her at all. And in the video, bridge guy's head is looking down, clearly watching where he stepped, as was Abby, who was also looking down, watching where she stepped. So my guess is that he stepped off to the side before they even started on the bridge and he was at the ground like at the end on the ground and he met up where the where the bridge met up with the other side um libby felt it in her gut that something was about to happen so she hit record and held her phone in a way that bridge guy didn't know she was he was being recorded she keeps recording and then puts her phone in her pocket he must have had a way to control both girls so he had to have a weapon because taking on two victims is pretty brazen he was already in a high risk situation in a very public place um oh my god um like locals frequented that area all the time and it was in the middle of the day on a warm day so people would have been out and about and by the time mike or not mike patty Derek patty or Derek um german got there the parking lot was fuller there was more cars there so there was more people out on the trails um, so he had to have definitely been familiar with that area. Um, he either didn't know Libby was recording him or he just didn't care. Um, I wonder why the police want to keep, the, I wondered why, no, wait, I'm totally reading my theory wrong. I understand why the police wanted to keep the evidence a secret. It's, it's a long tactic known from, that is used throughout every police force. Um, but they usually only ever keep one or two key things away from the public that can bring attention when they're interviewing people. Um, but not the entire case. So the police are keeping a lot, a lot quiet. And either they don't have as much as we think they do, or they have so much, they just don't want to share it. Um, but the police are working very hard and they're doing a great job. I just don't get me wrong, but I just think that they need to be more open about some of the evidence that they have, especially as five years have passed. Um, and they could be missing something too. So having maybe an extra pair of eyes, bring in a private investigator who's got a good reputation or bring in uh, FBI profilers as well and have them like the behavioral unit come in as well. And maybe they can take a look at the court of the case better and give you a fresher outtake on it. Um, I do think that the unsub will kill again. And I believe that the only reason that he hasn't already is because the one thing he was not anticipating was the nationwide media attention that this case has garnered. And it garnered this attention from the media almost as soon as it happened. Um, if the citizens of Delphi were not expecting it and were caught by surprise by the media attention, the NSUP had to be as well. But, but no theory on who it might be? No, because if you were to ask me right now, I'm going to probably say I'm leaning towards the uh, King and Klein because and, it seems to be pointing to him. He did have contact with um, Libby, or allegedly, sorry, had contact with Libby the day before. 
And I don't believe in coincidences. He may say, oh, it was a coincidence. I talked to her. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe that she did anything like, because if he was soliciting um, younger people for nude photos, I don't believe that she was the type to fall for that. So he might have been talking to her, but maybe she's like, oh, this guy's a creep and then stop talking to him. And maybe, maybe that was one of the things. I was talking to somebody who's familiar with Snapchat. And they say that the app, if you have your location settings on, when you record and post, it'll tell you where you are. So it wouldn't have been hard to find them. Granted, you would have had to been in the area. Because if he's 40 minutes down the road, and she posts at 2.07, and they're allegedly dead by 3.30, he don't have time to get there to kill them and do all that, right? There's no way. So unless there was some kind of determination, like um, predetermined reason for him to be there, um, maybe he was already there and stalking the house because one of the pieces of the transcript said that a girl was talking to Anthony Schatz online, told Anthony Schatz, not, you know, basically Keegan Klein, that her parents were not going to be home the day after she got home from school. And that's all she told him. And then when she got home, she saw this guy peeping through her window and got freaked out. So, and that was just days, I think they said days after Abby and Libby's murders. So, it is possible that maybe, you know, he figured out where Abby, or Libby lived, and maybe they he followed them to the trail from the house and found an opportunity and seized it. I have no idea. If he did do it, that would be what my guess is, that he was watching them before they even got to the trail. I'm, I'm leaning in that direction just because I think... Everything seems to be, not everything, but some evidence is pointing to him in a more sufficient way than, say, some of the other suspects that we discussed earlier in the timeline. Did you ever mention who might have the access to the one messaging account besides the one guy? Um, It was alleged in the documents that were released that it might be his father. Oh. Yeah, because he lived with his dad, and I don't think this guy had a very vivacious social life by this by the looks of him huh. I, I i don't see him stepping away from his computer that much if if he was interested in in that type of material and in that type of interactions and that that not basing on his looks but that's basing on what we know about keegan klein himself what do you think kelly any input i think sarah pretty much covered everything all of the current suspects that we're aware of i think they all have it's reasonable to suspect them. Like, I don't think anything is out of the ordinary. Um, I do think it's a little strange that the police keep saying, like, the person is from this area. Like, we probably know who this person is. But most of their suspects live, like, yeah, 40 minutes to two hours away. Like, <laughs> that seems a little bit strange to me. Um, I personally, I don't feel like... This just seems like such a tight-knit community. So I think it makes more sense that this person came here with the intention of doing something. And then leaving. And then leaving, yes. Um, Just because how everyone banded together to search for the girls and like all the other history that they have there. It and, just, being, and being such a small community, yeah, it was 2,000 exactly. people? Yeah, 
I'm from Olin Sound. It's small, and there's 22,000 people. Like, you never, quote-unquote, really know somebody, but I think you know people well enough when it's such a small community, right? Like... Oh, you know your neighbors. You say hello. You know them enough. Oh, you you probably know everybody's name. To know 2,000 people would be super simple. Yes. So, I, I definitely think it's somebody who came from out of town. I... But, like, I, I honestly can't say which one I think it is at this time. Um, it's really strange to be kind of in the middle of this and seeing it unfold as well. Like, most of the true crime things that we talk about are something that happened in the past or it's already been solved, whatever. It's very eye-opening to be right in the middle of it, even though it's so far away from where we are. So we're not directly affected by it. But... Yeah, as Sarah said, I think the police have really done the best they could. And I think everybody would appreciate having more information. Everybody just wants to know what happened to these girls. So we want to help. And that's my gripe, too. Like, could they be doing more by just releasing a little bit more information? You know, yes, I understand you want to keep some things quiet so that you can identify say someone who says they did it some people uh claim to be murderers for the clout like we we were talking in that other uh was it john Bonet? Uh, about how people were coming forward saying oh i did it i did it but no you didn't yeah. so i can understand keeping like one or two major things that would give away only the killer would know but you got to give us more than two pictures of two guys that look nothing alike and an age anywhere between not just born and not just dead. Right. Um, and going back with what Kelly touched on about it has to be somebody who's not local. If you post those pictures of the sketches, if somebody says, oh, I saw this guy walking through the trails and it's such a tight knit community, you would know who that person is. They'd be like, oh, he was acting kind of sketchy, you know? Oh, I, I know that guy that hangs <clears throat> out with Ted. Yeah, or... Might not know oh, his name. He hangs but... out at the hardware store all the time with Danny and John or whatever. I don't yeah. know his name, but he's always there. Go, You should go question him. He looks like this guy. Yeah. Like, so I do agree that it had to be somebody who was just outside of town and, and that the person showed up in that town. Thinking because it's such a small town... Yeah. ...that it's not going to get the attention, which in most cases it wouldn't have. I mean, he could have some sort of other connection to that town that we have no idea of right now. Like, um, and just to go back on what you were saying, Matt, about uh, people trying to claim that they did things for the clout. Like, we also have a lot of history on serial killers who haven't admitted to anything, which is, like, it's two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. So, um, as of right now, like, I just don't think we have enough... (laughs) to really have an opinion on anything yeah 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 it's it's so tough to like it honestly it hurts me that this has been going on for five years and it's not solved especially in the time where we are right now like they were able to upload a video that had this guy in the background you could hear his voice and like still can't find him we have no idea who this person is still five years later that's Absolutely ridiculous. Was the phone found? Yeah, obviously. They have the phone. Yeah, they have the phone. All I do know is that the phone was found near 
Libby's body. That's the only other information I have that I'm able to find. So I agree. Like, it's frustrating to know that they have such amazing evidence. Like, evidence that you would not have in a normal circumstance. Well, fingerprints, for one, is pretty good. Yeah, fingerprints can be whatever, right? Well, if nobody, if the person doesn't have anything on file, fingerprints don't really mean anything. Same with DNA. Unless it's on file, it don't mean anything. Yeah. But they have audio, and they have video, and no, I don't think I can recall any other possible murders that have happened that have that kind of clear evidence. So this is huge. This is huge evidence, and they, and it's like, it should be identifiable. Yes, yeah. it's grainy, but there's got to be a way with the technology that we have, especially in forensic technology, where it could be cleaned up a lot better. And those audio clips that I've been sharing could have been cleaned up a lot better. And granted, they were cleaned up because and, her phone just, was in her pocket. And just so that everybody <clears throat> knows at home, I'm not a professional by any means when it comes to editing audio. So when you hear those sound clips, I believe it was only in the first episode yeah. that we showed or played it but what i do to the audio tracks is not something you should take that guy's voice as you should probably listen to the original recordings because mine's a recording of a recording of a recording and just like photocopies you take too many copies and things get lost right so don't take our representation of what it actually sounds like for true all right so the question is, why did we cover this case? Well, I chose this case. Kelly literally went in not knowing anything about this. Um, but it caught my attention, and those girls got into my head. And I'm not going to lie, they got into my heart. Kelsey German herself, the sister of Abby or of Libby, also got into my head and my heart because she's working so hard in keeping her sister Libby and Abby's case front and center. She's going to crime cons and doing podcasts and doing specials to bring information and to to help get this case moved forward and i think that's such an admirable thing to do we've gotten to know these families during now, all would this. the family know the cause of death they would have yeah to, i right? believe i would assume that they do but then they would probably be under orders not yeah, to say anything. they would be under orders that's mm. ridiculous so you know and i have to one of the things that caught my attention was libby's intuition um in her intelligence. I mean, it just got to me to be 14 and have the intelligence to follow that intuition. When Even when I was her age, there'd be times where I'd be like, uh, my gut, I'm just overreacting and, and ignore it. Right. Luckily f- for me, nothing ever happened. Um, but unfortunately for her, something did happen, but she still listened to that in- intuition and followed her gut. And she pulled her phone out and she hit record. And that just shows her bravery and it speaks to the person that she was or could have been. And the loyalty between both Abby and Libby for each other speaks so much to their character. And, like, one of them could have ran away to get help or at least try to get help and left the other one there to such a horrible fate. But they didn't. They stuck together. And that decision was had to be difficult. Um, and it's heartbreaking that these two beautiful young girls who had such bright futures ahead of them had that stolen from them. They should be enjoying their freshman year of university or college right now and making those memories, you know, going to keggers and maybe pledging to a sorority, who knows what their interests would be, but they should be making memories right now. They should be at, they should be making memories, not being memories. Exactly. You know, and we may be a small podcast here in Canada, but we are passionate about it. I'm passionate about this case and I'm invested. So if there's just a small chance that we 
are heard by someone who might recognize the voice of bridge guy and they call that tip line, then this is all worth it, you know? So I really beg of our listeners to share the hell out of this podcast and to share the ones that I've been, I will be linking on the mystery map fan page on Facebook as well, because they're extremely informative and very helpful. I mean, we just, we just gave slight details. We didn't even go into like everything. Um, we just shone the spotlight. We didn't dig the exactly. So the mystery Matt spotlight. Yeah. <coughs> Plug. So share and share the post on Facebook that we post with all the information. Retweet the link on Twitter and all that. Just do everything just to push the hell out of this because we want to help this fam these families, both the um, German and Patties as well as um, Williams families, to to find information and get the get guy caught the person responsible who did this to their loved ones to their little girls who we have a girl ourselves and we would be so not tied up or nothing no. it's our daughter no it's our daughter like we we know like that's if important we, we lost her we would be absolutely inconsolable and fighting like hell to have her back or in any way shape or form yeah you know um but yes like you got to help us push this and help them push this. And, you know, I've gotten to know these girls while researching this case. And surely you've gotten to know them while listening to this case. But Abby and Libby, they deserve justice and their families deserve answers. So, and I will post this also on the Facebook page as well. So if you have any valid and valuable information, you can call the tip line at one 844 or you can email your tips to Abby, A-B-B-Y, A-N-D-L-I-B-B-Y, T-I-P at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot com. Yeah, guys, let's try and salt and pepper this. And if you don't get it, let's push it real good. Get some word out there. Yeah, Kelly's smiling because she just got it. She's like, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, that's our coverage of this true crime. Um, like I was telling the ladies outside, it's it's a little bit difficult for me to deal with some of the ones relating to children and, and children and people that, A, can't defend themselves or are completely innocent. You know, like, if if you're a streetwalker and you get taken by a John, that's... That's putting yourself in a situation that's <laughs> different than if you're just on a hike but with a friend and you're a child. But it doesn't mean that they deserve what they get. No, no one ever does. No. But I mean, the 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 situation is it's more okay, grave. Kelly. He's just talking out his when, ass. Don't let. <laughs> the situation is I find more grave when it's about a child. Is what I'm trying to say. It's it feels Go worse. Kelly. Kelly's going to say something. She's trying not to, actually, I think. Yeah. Oh. I really am. I, I feel like I've put you guys in your place enough this episode. Um, <laughs> we just I just want to say there's a huge reputation for people in sex work to be considered less dead, especially with serial killers. And as Sarah already alluded to, that doesn't mean they deserve it. Um, they deserve attention just as much as all the other cases. Um, but I do understand what you're saying, Matt. Like, it hits me hard to, as you said, people who are innocent, who haven't had a chance 
to do anything with their lives. I feel the same way about animal cruelty. Like, like doing the math right, those girls weren't even old enough to have a black belt. If that puts things into perspective. So, like, they wouldn't... I don't know anything about karate. Well, I'm just saying, they wouldn't have even have had the time in their lifespan to be able to learn how to defend themselves in any manner. We here, on the True Crime End of the Mystery Map podcast, do not condone any violence of any sort towards anybody of any age group. Um... And, but yes, it, it hits a lot harder when it's a child, especially as a parent. It, for me, it hits very, very hard. Um, so, it doesn't even have to be a parent. Because, no, like, but I, I mean, as a parent of yeah. a child, it would it devastates me to know that this stuff happens. But it doesn't make any other crime against other victims any less important. It's, no, it's no. still important. Oh, no. It just, it does make it harder it to just, discuss. It just hits harder, yeah. is all I'm saying. Yeah, it har- it it's harder to discuss. And I think we have decided that the next true crime podcast, we're going to go a little less heavy, um, a little, well, it's still heavy, but it'll be completely, what, 180, basically, from what we're talking about now. Uh, we're we're going to try and keep the, the children out of it for one or two. If for we at can. least one. If we can, you know. Because we have a big one we're planning in the future, and unfortunately, there will be a few children who will be discussed. Um, but that one's going to be a little while. Yeah, because that one's, a, like I said, it's a huge one coming up. It's going to be a four-parter, but the next one we're looking at could be a one or two. We don't know. Kelly would know because it's her podcast. <laughs> we literally just started planning it today, yeah. so um, we'll see. Not even just today, like, like 42 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> right before we started recording this episode. Yeah. So, um, I... Honestly, we might be able to do it in one, but either way, you're going to want to listen because it's going to be interesting um, for all you true crime fans out there. Um, and I think a lot of people will have heard of it, so make sure you stay tuned. I would say keep it on the DL. We don't want to talk about it until it's time. Yes. And we've been getting a lot of uh, requests to get a little bit more mystery in the mystery mat stuff, so we'll be covering more um, out there topics, UFOs, conspiracy theories, things like that, and, and whether or not Kelly's an android. What? Oh, I was just saying I will be there Oh, oh all of that stuff. Oh, Kelly's down for the mystery stuff getting added a little bit thicker. Are you guys mystery stuff? No. Were you? No. We can do an episode <laughs> I would love to. I've been watching that show for a long we time. We should now. do it like that, though. We should like pick a weird, old, obscure movie and kind of just sit and talk like they do over it. Well, there, there's tricks to that. Yes, though. I know. And I don't know if we make enough money to pay for copyright stuff. Because <laughs> you would have to buy you a know, license. What we could do is have our friends make a really shitty, like, forty-two, fifty-two minute movie. So there's no copyright problem, and then we don't we don't see it beforehand, and then we just sit there and commentate like like Joel and Mike. How many friends do we have that make hour long movies? I'm sure they could come up with something appropriate. Damn it! 
I mean, unless it's consult- to consulting, if that helps. Honestly, like, you two are the guys that organize everything. I feel like you need to be involved in this movie making. But you need to get two people who are not involved in this kind of stuff to review the movie. <laughs> yeah, but I have to have Like, I, I can think of two off the top of my head. That would be good. We can talk about it later. That's cute. That 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 actually intrigues me. They'd have to have a really good sense of humor and really good comedic timing, I think. I also don't do anything on camera, so I wouldn't be in the movie. I could write it. But written and directed by Sarah. Yeah, I don't star in shit. The foot fetishes. <laughs> Neat. So on that note. I've been Mystery Mad. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. The part two of our true crime series. I've got a cat on my lap and you don't. Have a good night.